Blue. So this is your host, sometimes V. Uh, Miss Kylie Tismart's not here today, uh, which is fine. <laughs> so she's actually going to be taking a little bit of a break. Um, she is going through some stuff with like, you know, just making sure that she gets all of her housing taken care of and all that stuff, which has been discussed before in previous podcasts. So I have a special guest. I have, <laughs> I have Natasha Singa. She is um, a music teacher, trumpet player, video gamer, weave galore. <laughs> she makes the rules for food. Uh, so, um, you know, sometimes I'll send her a text saying, is this a sandwich? And she'll go, maybe, or not a sandwich. <laughs> or she's like, well, actually, this is what requires it to be a sandwich. So, <laughs> so she knows a thing or two about some snacks. But anywho, yeah, so we're here today and we're just kind of going through some stuff, um, going through it. Um, I don't know, like I, it's Pride Month, so like we're going to get into a little bit of that. So sorry for the unscriptedness for today, but just bear with me. But um, yeah, how are you? I'm good. I'm feeling feeling that Sunday soupy vibe. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's... We were talking about before we started recording how, like, I'm a little out of it just because it's Sunday and it's the day before work, so I'm taking all these, like, weird precautions before I start. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And I just, I woke up from a nap earlier after petting my cat, and he's just the cutest little, little fur baby, so, you know, it's hard to not feel like a cat on a Sunday as well when you sleep all day. All you want to do is just take a nap, right? I actually was not even sleepy, and then I just sat next to him for a little bit Mm -hmm. and stared at him. And the more I stared at him sleeping, the sleepier I got. And I'm falling asleep because I just stared at my cat that was sleeping. So, you know, it happens. It happens, yeah. I tried to take a nap, and then I ended up cleaning a bunch of stuff. And then I ended up in the shower. And then, oh, I got a new trombone. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're... So my day just, like, stacked up with all these new things. And I'm like, okay, I got a new thing, so... You know. But shout out to my uncle, it's his birthday. Oh yeah, it's your uncle's birthday. How old yeah. is he now? Uh well he says <laughs> my family's like he's not a day over forty. We're just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> According to my family. You gotta feel forty, right? <laughs> you gotta feel forty, so it's so crazy. I'm like ten years close to forty. <laughs> he's older than forty, he's just saying he's not. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I wonder what forty will No, I don't wanna think about it. Mm-hmm. I wanna savor I wanna savor thirty. 30 is good. I'm a child. I'm 25. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you can keep it. <laughs> you can keep it. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so just like some co- talking about current events, um, the, this is kind of our local news segment of the podcast. But uh, one thing that's been going on with Santa Clara County as COVID kind of seemingly is dying out, you know, seemingly. Um, Woohoo! <laughs> um, so now we're getting we're at yellow tier. So indoor dining is allowed now. Outdoor dining is allowed now. Some restaurants have already been thinking that for the past few months, but yeah. I'm not gonna call them out. But you know who you are down the street on Seventh Street. And so, like, there's that, and then I think there's a lot of businesses that are going to start trying to wean out of temperature checks, um, and I don't know, you're, and also, like, schools are getting back into it, so what's your yeah. impression with that? Schools have been in at least this area in California since April, 
Since the middle of April, April 19th is when I went back in person for hybrid learning. Um, I've been doing student teaching at a middle school as part of my credential program. Mm -hmm. And I did finish my credential program and my master's in ed at San Jose State, so yay, got that out of the way, got that done. But um, we've been in hybrid situation um, since middle of April and many schools, not just that school I'm going I'm at, but many schools in the district and other districts have been doing that since then. And it's been looking pretty okay. I mean, the nice thing about it, I was a little bit nervous at first because, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's so uncertain as to whether or not, you know, you're going to have students spreading it, if it's going to end up being a thing. Mm -hmm. But what was nice is that every student had to come on campus and do a little bit of a screener every morning yeah. before they could even go onto campus. Mm -hmm. They started off by sectioning off 7th and 8th grade. Okay. And only 7th and 8th grade came back to campus, 6th grade still stayed at home. Okay. And then um, as the semester went on, of course, I got a little more lenient with letting them uh, mingle a bit more, but only about 20% of the campus even opted to come back. Okay. So it was still pretty low impact. The biggest class was 12 kids. Mm -hmm. The smallest class in person was two kids, and everyone else was still on Zoom. Yeah. So it was a bit of a challenge with the online learning scene, but... Um, in terms of safety, um, it felt pretty good because all the staff had been vaccinated. Yeah. And we even have students who are super excited about getting vaccinated and super into getting vaccinated. Um, it's actually really funny, the past few weeks have been a lot of um, typing in the chat with kids saying, my arm is sore from my vaccine shot. <laughs> and I was like, been there, done that. <laughs> been there, got it over, over with, good. <laughs> have fun with those two children. <laughs> um, but it's looking like in the fall, at the very least, things are going to open back up. Um, I know for summer school, it's probably different district to district with what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, for the fall, it looks like students will be back in person. It doesn't look like it'll be too bad if we manage to keep... Well, my concern is that if we manage to keep um, going in this direction of having less and less cases and we maintain that, yeah. I think we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. um, my big concern is like if we end up having like some spikes in the end of summer yeah. for some reason with people yeah. being, being irresponsible. Yeah, that's that's always going to be a fear. I am definitely on the, I'm watching what other countries are doing and how their cases have been going uh, to compare to what's going on with us. Uh, so the, the we're going to venture into the the mask mandate that's going to happen on June 15th. And so we don't know what this mandate is going to entail, but from our impressions, we think there's going to be zero masks or that there's going to be some businesses that are not going to let have people wear their masks. We just don't know what the decision-making process here is. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of watching out for that. But other than that, as a personal thing, like with grocery stores, going out to eat, walking around and hiking, like I'm still going to wear mine. I agree. I'm still going to keep like, caution. I feel like what's nice is, so like I was in Stockton a few weeks ago for my little cousin's um, middle school promotion. Mm -hmm. um, or it tells me it's an elementary school, but he, it's, middle, it's elementary, middle, whatever. Mm -hmm. But we went out to eat at a restaurant for dinner. Um, and it wasn't super busy, but of course people had their masks off when we were there. And I did notice in general, this was in Stockton, right? Yeah. Um, I did notice in general what's nice about at least our county area here mm -hmm. in the Bay, or at least in the spot that we live in here in San Jose, like, mm -hmm. people are still pretty good at keeping their masks on and overall, like, compared to other places. Because I did notice in, like, Stockton or on the drive there, 
a lot more people were just walking around with masks off, mm-hmm. which I thought was a little, little sketchy in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, in the area, at least, I'm pretty confident that most people are still going to try to be pretty conscientious about others. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm going to keep wearing my mask when I go places. Yeah. Um, and like yeah. obviously, like, in this scenario that we're here, like, she's vaccinated, I'm vaccinated, and we're we're in the same music group outside of this, so, like, it's, it's about comfort levels at this point, but, like, you know, if I don't know you, and I'm shopping, and I'm standing in line with you, and I don't know you, and you're just another shopper, and I'm a shopper, I'm gonna keep that mask You on. know, it's like, really funny, one of my friends in um, the start of the pandemic, um, we had met up a few times, um, and sat at, like, a park, and, you know, social distance, uh, and all that. But she was talking about how she was going through, like, online dating mm-hmm. still Oh, my God. Uh, and she was, sorry, no, go on. <laughs> and she was talking about how it's kind of funny because at this, at this point, it's like you not only have to check for people's, like, histories in terms of, like, relationships or, like, sexual history, but it's, like, a third layer of, like, also, what's your, like, COVID history? Like, have you been in contact oh, with no. COVID? Have you, like been social distancing, like, <laughs> having an entire layer of, like, meeting someone and checking to see if they've been, like, yeah. responsible about their COVID management, <laughs> which I just think is hilarious in, like, a really morbid way, like, it's just another layer, but I, I think we'll be o- hopefully okay in this area, I'm just gonna keep my mask on, probably for at least another six months Gotta everywhere get that I go. online badge, like Pokemon stadiums, you know? <laughs> Gotta get that COVID vaccination badge <laughs> to show that I'm qualified today. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> gotta oh. vax them all. <laughs> gotta vax them all. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so we're teaching because, like, you do music, right? So you're a music teacher. <laughs> I say that like you're a music teacher like I don't know um, <laughs> so what has that been like as an over zoom experience oh it's been a nightmare to be honest you don't tell the kids it's great you don't tell the kids it's been a nightmare you say we're gonna make the best of it and we're gonna try these different things and they're kind of skeptical and you just have to sell them on it but you know it's kind of a nightmare in some ways mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of different factors to it too like there are peers I've seen who have been able to get kids to play at home and do online performances and stuff. Not every school has the resources and the students' mm-hmm. resources and the parental like resources as well to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to remember that like for any educators out there like who have felt that this year has gone poorly, um, the remembering which schools you're at and like what resources you have means you just did the best you could with what you had. Mm-hmm. For example, like, our school, like, our students, they're lovely students. It's uh, a low-income school, though, mm-hmm. overall. A lot mm-hmm. of the students come from um, these, like, low-income backgrounds, and there's nothing they can do about it, you know? And so they have parents who are working a lot, or they have family members who are distracting at home, or they have, like, they don't take private lessons, you know? They're not going to be playing a lot at home. Yeah. And I don't blame them. Like, why would, if you're at home and online zooms happening and your like playstation your nintendo switch is right there like i thought about playing animal crossing while teaching like we've all been there yeah <laughs> like i have to teach the zoom class but like my switch is just sitting there like come on you want to play me and i'm like don't tempt me <laughs> don't tempt me and you know um i'm a 24 25 year old at this in this past year these kids are 11 or 12 like you know 
Of course, some of them are going to make the choice to oh, play video absolutely. games. Yeah, I, um, I sit there in my bed. I'm like, I should really go for a walk. Ah, uh, yeah, right here. Let's da Breath of the Wild all day. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, the amount of hours I put in that. I called you out the other day. Oh, my God, it's so bad. But, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been hard. The biggest thing as a band teacher, especially, the orchestra kids, you can, when they're in person, too, you can kind of get them to play. But for band, it's like, you, you can't play in person, at least not without mm-hmm. being outside. Mm-hmm. And we had, like, 12 kids in person, um, and the rest were on Zoom still. And so then you also have to realize that this is April. At this point in the year, we had spent the entire semester not really playing too much. We had given the kids playing assignments um, to try and keep some of their like musicianship skills intact. Mm-hmm. Um, as a mentor put it, it wasn't so much about trying to produce work out of the students, yeah. so much as it was trying to keep them in some sort of like like a musical shape so that when they came back in person, they were okay to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it also was less about the production of musical production of work they were doing. And a little bit more about just being like socially and emotionally aware of the kids and trying to get them through it. Because yeah. it's hard enough on us as adults. It, it must suck and be super isolating as a 12 or 13 year old to not see your friends, especially if you're graduating too. Yeah. And yeah. like you don't get to see them going into high school like, until you yeah. get to high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and some kids had to move and some kids had this whole stuff going on. There were a lot of kids who were Zoom only, where they would log into Zoom mm-hmm. and then they wouldn't be at their computer or desk and wouldn't respond to anything. Um, we also at our school didn't require cameras to be on, which I agree with too, because at middle the middle school age and with online teaching, it's so personal and invasive. Like I don't I don't blame a student for feeling uncomfortable for having their there, camera on yeah, at home. There, there's definitely a lot of anxiety behind online learning, um, especially yeah. if you are sitting behind a black screen and you don't get the same type of interpersonal building that you get in a real life situation. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember even at the private school I used to just admin for that there were kids who just were on the online route because that's what they wanted. But at the same time, the anxiety of just getting them onto the class was just uh, pulling teeth. Like it was, yeah. it was really hard, and I couldn't imagine like what they were going through to feel that isolated, you know. Mm-hmm. But you do what you can, and I think keeping having the option to keep the cameras on or off is is a good thing because then you might one day feel empowered to put your camera on, or maybe you feel like, oh, sh- sh- I just woke up. I don't want mm-hmm. people to see what I look like right now. I don't want to feel that pressure. So yeah, most of the kids kept them off, mm-hmm. and I don't blame them for that. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was kind of tough towards uh, my goals with student teaching in some ways to kind of get more out of the students sometimes just because you sometimes would ask a question if it was a little hard to answer if it was a little bit more in depth Mm -hmm. you would have maybe the same few students answering in the chat but you wouldn't get everyone to answer Mm -hmm. Um, because again it's it's tough to answer questions and even if you are open and kind to students um, and letting them know that they can make mistakes they're also in middle school. Middle school is one of the most vulnerable times of their lives. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't blame them for that either. But I, I just did my best in being patient. And my mentor was really good at teaching me how to be like a very understanding and compassionate teacher. Um, and he really was a great example of like a no judgment kind of a teacher, which was really great. Yeah. 
So um, it was disheartening uh, in some ways, but it was also really um, empowering in others. We had a discussion one day mm-hmm. where, I mean, I used, I learned a lot about using technology in the classroom, actually. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I will say that came out of this, mm-hmm. is I learned how to use more technology in the classroom, mm-hmm. and I learned that there's things I'm going to keep mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, why would I ever want to grade quizzes again in my life not on Google Forms? Right. Yeah. Because it's already graded. <laughs> it's already graded. You go in and you input the grade and you're done. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you ever want to waste paper again? Why go back to archaic ways when? <laughs> right. Or Stop like, taking the work home when Google can do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little dark. It's a little dark. But it's, it's true. Like you know, it saves. It's a, like why work harder when you can work smarter, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, that whole thing. And I also learned how to teach other things. And that's one thing I was excited about in the beginning. I mean, as time went on, I kind of missed the playing aspect of music because it is what we're here for. Mm-hmm. But I was also excited to explore other areas we don't always get to explore with teaching music, like com- composition or music tech mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. even talking about like music history in some more aspects. So, for example, some things we did is we um, had the music program called Soundtrap which is basically a web-based um, DAW, mm-hmm. uh, Digital Audio Workspace, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the students learned the basics of like dragging loops into something and like splicing loops and yeah. like fading in and fading out and like putting together their own like bass uh, p- uh, drum and piano loops um, on the piano roll and like how that all works. So they learned basics of that, which is really cool. And some kids got really into it, which is really awesome. Um, we did some lessons on protest music I didn't go into it as depth as I in depth as I think I should have or wanted to, just because of the pressure of timing with assignments on my end as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we managed to get a little bit into protest music and talk a little bit more about like what are different things you protest or like what are things you've noticed like re- lately in protests because right now is mm-hmm. some of the most active times in protests since the sixties like yeah, in this country and here. Definitely, and I think there was definitely a surge where it's like. Yeah, with with last year especially, um, like that was one of the more clearer videos of of a very unfortunate murder, um, yeah. and so with that ri- uprising where it went to a beyond national scale, but there was also other countries that were protesting their rights as well. Like mm-hmm. Hong Kong was protesting around the same time. Yeah. Um. So it's it's insane how how protesting has like it's inching closer and closer into the classrooms, which is, or did I say it's crazy? Whatever. I think it's great that it's inching closer and closer in the classroom because it's a, it's a dialogue that needs to be said and a dialogue that needs to be like basically presented into the classroom so students knows, knows what it's about. Regardless of how it's absorbed, you know, students are always going to have their at-home biases or whatever is going on, but like I think it's always great. But it's hard to talk about it because there are a lot of individual biases that may prevent you from teaching that so have you ever had that yeah so here's something that my mentor told me um i'll backtrack a little bit so Mm -hmm. i also had a discussion with the class especially after we had that uptick in asian american hate crimes going on Mm -hmm. and it was um aapi uh, month last month right Mm -hmm. So right around before that, there was the shooting that occurred in um, Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. And the majority of the victims in that shooting were Asian American. Now, of course, 
media was saying, you know, there's no definitive, um, you know, mm -hmm. proof that it was racially motivated. But when you look at the victims and you look at like the circumstances, it's hard to not see some sort of connection or to feel mm -hmm. some sort of connection, or at the very least, mm -hmm. it resonated with a lot of Asian Americans, mm -hmm. right? And as someone who, although I'm South Asian because I'm Indian Asian, um, as someone who is Asian, I felt for my fellow Asian community, right? Um, and so I felt it was really not just of me to feel as heavy as I did and to not speak up on it, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did in class, and my mentor and I went over this, is he was very open to me having discussions about these things with students, which was, I really love that, because mm -hmm. how often do you find someone willing to give you the opportunity to talk about these things yeah. with their students, like, so openly, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what he gave me the advice of was that when you talk to your students about things like this, you don't want to force your opinions onto them. Mm -hmm. um, whether or not, like, their, maybe their good opinions or bad opinions, you don't want to force that onto them because it takes away the student's voice. Yeah. You want to have student empowerment. So what you do though, is if you, if you just try to present the topic with no guidance, however, then you're letting it loose into, it could get messy. The students could say things, it could get messy. So what you do is you craft guided questions mm -hmm. before the discussion. And what I did mm -hmm. is to counter my, any of my own biases or to counter any of my own opinions, but to also keep structure to the lesson, I crafted these guided questions that sort of um, were focused around asking students what they knew of the situation, asking them what they think of the situation, mm -hmm. and then asking students how they think um, media and artists um, have a space in the situation as a music class, right? Where do um, entertainers and artists and people in the media find themselves when it comes to the situation? And then a final question of what can we do in our community and amongst our peers to help towards this cause. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good way of framing it so that it has a positive note at the end because you don't want to have kids thinking the world is awful and sucks all the time and there's like nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. You want the youth to be ready to fight, fix things, you youth know? Youth empowerment, let's youth go. Youth empowerment, you yeah. know? Um, it was really awesome. I had some, because the two classes I was lead teaching in had like 30%, um, uh, the first one had like about 30% of the students in that class were Asian American. Mm -hmm. The second one, it was like 35, 40%. Um, and they said some really smart things. I never want to hear anyone say that middle schoolers aren't smart. They're really smart. And they're they also... Too. And they really appreciate it. They said in the chat, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about this sort of thing in class. Because mm -hmm. they don't get to talk about it. And like you said, like, these things creeping into school is a good thing. It's tough to do. It's hard because you don't always, like... Before teaching that or doing that guided discussion, I was kind of scared. Like, what if it goes wrong? Because it could go wrong. There very well be, could be a kid who decides, like, you know, what and that, that school's, like, like BS and I don't want to be here and I'm going to just say things. Mm -hmm. There could be kids like that. And, I, again, I don't blame them because it's – school's a whole institution, so I get it, you know? But it's a little scary as an educator as well to want to – be vulnerable to them as well in this mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. But they're super sweet kids, super respectful, and they took it really well. And they said some really, really smart things. I have screenshots yeah. of what they said. Like, um, I don't understand why we have to hate, like, why people have to hate other people. Or, like, yeah, I used to be ashamed to bring my lunch to school because I didn't want people to make fun of me for it. Or, like, saying things like, I think we should just be kind and listen to each other. And it's like, wow, like, what thoughtful, sweet responses. I feel like mm -hmm. adults could learn a thing or two from these kids, you know? Yeah. 
Absolutely. So on the topic of protests as well, like same sort of thing, like mm-hmm. talking about it with the kids, like they they have a lot of really cool opinions. Yeah. And some of them even know like how to express maybe if they don't agree with an opinion, how to express it in a pretty respectful way. Mm-hmm. Which I think is also really cool. So I think we I think the one thing that I've gotten out of student teaching this year is that it's been hard mm-hmm. and I haven't I really wish I could have seen my students and got to know them better. But I've also seen like just how smart and capable and like resilient they are too. So yeah, no, that's thing. great. No, that's absolutely amazing. It's hard because you know I would have probably had a lot of difficulty if I was in your position. Like, cause I considered being a teacher at mm-hmm. one point, um, and it's hard to talk about these things when, especially when everything is with the protests. Yeah, there's AAPI and there's the Asian hate that's been happening um but in my case scenario because i'm black things are more black centric because of the fact that it's it recurs so often and it's Mm -hmm. more rooted than in the united states and there's a systemic thing going on so Mm -hmm. like and i'm not dismissing oh no of course like asian population saying that there isn't any systemic challenges but i would say that that with being black that it's easier to be seen as a threat or a target or as incapable versus the other groups. I agree. And, I mean, and so that's so like me talking to this with students, it's hard for me to talk about this as a black woman because they're like, well, you're the target. So it's hard for us to hear what you say. And, and I think this was also an important attempt when I, when I was teaching, like there was the whole thing with like Donald Trump being very, very, um, inflammatory and <laughs> there were oh. students like what, what should we do and I'm like trying not to insert my own opinions but I'm like well what and I would give the students the same like very similar guided questions but they're like but what would you do and I'm like oh no like it's not like oh no like I don't know what to say it's like I there's so much I can do and also so much I can say because my fear is it gets to the parents and there might be some parents who might get upset and it relashes at you but like you said there's there's cases where that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. There's cases there, it's not the case, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I get what you mean too, because it is kind of spooky. I mean, the thing that was nice, the reason I could do this anyway is because mm-hmm. I'm a student teacher at a school, mm-hmm. and the school wants, this This school is a really good school, and they want to have more discussions like this. The community mm-hmm. wants teachers in this community. Mm-hmm. They want teachers to talk about this stuff more. Mm-hmm. So that's just a fortunate position to be in mm-hmm. um, when you are at a school, even if it is, maybe economically not the most, um, not the most, uh, like, uh, not, doesn't have the most resources. However, you have a community that does want to hear more of these topics in teaching, Yeah, which is cool. And my mentor's been at that school for eight years. Mm -hmm. So he obviously also, like, if anything had happened, I think he would have just had my back, um, Mm -hmm. because he's been really awesome. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it's really hard. And it's really hard to distance yourself from a topic that affects you or, like, Mm -hmm. is close to you. Like, um... And especially when it comes to, um, like, black crime in America, like, crime on black people in America, like, it's a systematic thing. It's rooted in our history, and it's something that you can't separate from because it's something that you experience and you mm-hmm. go through. And I, I know I could never understand the complete level of what you must feel, like, on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. So I understand how that can be the sort of thing where it's like, well, on one hand, you could have these discussions and things, but it's also, like, how do you separate yourself enough from it to talk about it 
without it feeling fake or without it feeling like mm-hmm. just awful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like it's the whole emotional mental load of it, right? Um, yeah. I was thinking about how, because I also joined um, a BIPOC committee um, in the credential program this mm-hmm. this last semester. I wasn't able to make the last two meetings um, for the last like month or so because of you know life stuff um, and just scheduling. But one thing I pointed out too is like this BIPOC is, committee is really cool. Like we have um, like we had a lot of like other Latino students. We had like you know a few um, d- different Asian American students in it. Um, we all kind of dropped off a little bit some part of it because just meeting was hard with all the stuff going on with school and credential and everything. Yeah, absolutely. But one thing we noticed too is that you know as a school institution like in the program like we don't have any black students here, and it's like it's. It's not the it's not really like the elephant in the room, but it's like I brought it up. I'm like, well, you know, it's an institution in a college level program where, you know, our school is trying really hard to be inclusive, and like I think there are faculty that are trying to make this better as time goes on, but institutionally speaking, education has not always been kind to Black people, like yeah. in our country. Like that's just a straight up fact, you yeah. know. We always got the second hand, third hand, never yeah. the, the direct hand of anything. So it's like... Um, if anything, we had to even beg for that third hand. Yeah. I think. So it's one of those things where, like, I totally acknowledge it. And I always think to myself, like, you know, if when it comes to things like this, like, I'm like, I know I have a little bit of privilege there, too, just to be able to go through the credential program. Mm-hmm. That's one that makes me angry, too, in education. <laughs> Let me just say, it is such bullshit, <laughs> okay? We're not a curse on the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> it is such bullshit <laughs> that teachers, to become a teacher, you have to pay so much money to, to, to teach, like... Mm-hmm. As a student teacher, I'm technically enrolled in school, so all the lesson planning and working with students I've been doing in the past like year, since summer of 2020 up till now, has been me paying the school, not me getting paid anything. I've made zero amount of that dollars. Makes zero sense. And it makes zero sense. And every educator knows this. My mentor was saying too, like it's bullshit, like, and the amount of privilege you have to be able to have to spend. Let's see, summer 2020. So like from June, July, August, mm-hmm. September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. That's 12 months almost, right? Mm-hmm. It's about 12 months of no income. That's a full year of no income. And I like had to go on unemployment for a while. And I had to like also dip into some savings I had. And not my rent is not super expensive, which is great because I had two roommates. Um... And so I'm lucky in that. Rent in this area. (laughs) Rent in this area If I said the rent price of, oh my God, you say the rent price here, like, I'm only paying 800 a month. It's like, wow, that's so cheap. You go to like Texas, they'll be like, what are you talking about? Why don't you have a house? (laughs) Like, why don't you have a house? Yeah. And my family's been able, somehow my mom managed to get a job at the start of the pandemic. And I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) I don't know how she did that, but she did it. Um, so like my family's been thankfully financially stable, which again is like something to say that it hasn't always been that way, Mm -hmm. but in more recent years it has, which is nice, thankfully. (laughs) Um, but my point being like going a year without money basically to spend on things and like Mm -hmm. having a little bit of financial struggle there while trying to be a student teacher and teaching and taking classes on top of that, it's Mm -hmm. like, 
no wonder you don't have more like people of color or particularly black people as well in this area or Latino people like or anyone who's disenfranchised right yeah. in the Bay Area yeah. no wonder you don't have more of them pursuing that like this route of education because who can afford it Absolutely. like you know it's gatekept um, and yeah there's there's opportunity for like like I've gotten financial aid and like but we also don't talk about how hard it is to sometimes even know the process of financial aid. If you don't start it early enough, you know, you're not going to get it in time. So it's like... Yeah, there's the financial aid process. There's the, like, if I was to work, like, FAFSA would take my income being like, oh, you can afford school. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't afford school with the amount of money that I'm making right now. I can't afford school. And then once I go into school, now what's going to happen? Every time I renew... Like, when am I going to get financial aid? Yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah, I got lucky in the sense that, <laughs> lucky in the sense that because my dad has been AWOL in my life for so long, I'm technically from a one-parent household. Mm-hmm. So that's been in my favor for financial aid uh, yeah. as a recipient. Play it. Um, it's <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> fortunate, right? I'm like, that's a whole thing I'm not going to get into. But, like, you know, it's like you have to have, like just enough things in your favor to also get financial aid mm-hmm. and like why do you want to play a game of like how sh- how shitty your life is to try to get the money to get into school it's like Dear God, yeah. it's it's so weird you know um you have to prove that you're miserable <laughs> so you can get money but like, even then once you finally get that teaching job like the the amount that you make is atrocious especially for the area we live in like starting salaries absolutely atrocious in the bay area like anywhere else in the country saying your starting salary is like 50 to 60k mm-hmm. is not bad in the bay area that's kind of dicey with what rent is you know mm-hmm. um the lowest i saw on I saw even in LA right i was mm-hmm. looking at edjoin which is where teachers apply for teaching positions mm-hmm. And I saw a school in LA was offering 47k a year for a, a starting teaching position, and I was like, "Who's that gonna feed? Like the rats at the apartment? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> how am I gonna get a down payment for a house? How am I gonna get a down payment for my apartment? How am I gonna get the furniture to furnish that apartment? How am I gonna pay for groceries? How am I gonna pay for the commute, whether if it's by my car or taking a bus?" What about all the materials I have to buy for my classroom? Like, because schools don't have the resources, you know? Yes, there's there's very, very, very few resources out there that will actually help teachers get prepared for, like, just a classroom setting. And then the unfortunate every year, there's always a cut in a budget. Always. So it's for... It's always for, the arts. For a, te- <laughs> for a person to go through their bachelor's program... Even some will go through an associate's program before that. Mm-hmm. And then to go through the two, one or two years of getting a teacher credential is like, it's a huge slap in the face to only get like less than 50, 60K. Because that's, a, that's basically the money that you're putting into that, like whether if it's through loans or federal aid or whatever. The fact, the fact that it costs that much money, it's like embarrassing. Because then, then that's when teachers... Like, also, no one talks about that actually becoming a teacher, the two-year burnout that you get, and then yeah. you're sitting there trying to reconstruct your career because you're like, as much as I want to do this for the kids, I want to do this to do something for my community, I know I'm a good person, I want to mentor all these, like, little young ones, and I'm really passionate about this subject, 
then it's like the two-year burnout. And and I don't want to say this to discourage you because oh, like course, I think you're course. gonna be the perfect teacher. <laughs> I absolutely adore you. I love your puns. It's ridiculous. But then, but the reality of the kids what, love hate the puns too. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the weird but the weird wage issue needs to be fixed because like I think teachers not only should get paid like what I think is over like six figures, but should guarantee that they have like a couple weeks off. Oh yeah. Without the grading, without being bothered, without the meetings, or at least a quarterly break, like a guaranteed quarterly break. Not this like intermission sessions or intercessions that they may have in between spring and summer or whatever. Yeah. Because like you guys are still working. You're planning your next shift. Yeah. And if you don't plan during that time period, then you've gotta like cram it all in before it's, you know. Well, I mean the other thing we don't talk about too is the induction period. Um, so like technically, well, I'm also have to have a new Cal TPA on top of this because I couldn't mm-hmm. do it very well because of student because uh, of COVID honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Cal TPA is basically the Teacher Preparation um, Association's like exam to allow you to become a, a official teacher, and it's usually done in tandem with student teaching. Mm-hmm. But because of COVID, it's you know been really tricky. So um, I can do it with my induction, but induction's a two-year period. Um, where you go in and you get your teaching job and you kind of have like a mentor who kind of like you can check in with occasionally and kind of talk and get advice from. Um, but you have to do like some more school stuff for induction or like some more stuff for induction. I'm not exactly 100% sure what it entails because I've sometimes zoned out during a few of the Zoom meetings to be honest. Mm-hmm. But essentially the funny thing with induction is too is like in those first two years of teaching you can be fired and not be given a reason. <laughs> Like, to, to, as to why, you know? So you have, like, that job instability for the first two years as well, on top of being a first-time teacher in the classroom, um, in your own classroom in a district. So it's already a little bit of a slap in the face there, like, wow, so, like, you have to do even more things mm-hmm. before you can officially, 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 officially be a teacher. Yeah. Um, and so that's the thing. And then pay-wise, too, it's kind of always irked me as well, like, you either get to the higher end of the pay spectrum after you've stuck with it for several years, which I understand, like, you know, the more you stay at a job, the more you want to get paid. And you can make a decent job in the Bay Area teaching if you if you stick with it for enough years, if I've you heard, manage to get I've past. I've heard regional. I've yeah. heard, depending where you are, mm-hmm. you might get a pretty reasonable rate. Yeah, and it's if, if you can get past the burnout, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big if, right? And mm-hmm. so there's that. And then not to mention, if you are making a decent amount um, or in the higher end of the pay, rate, pay range, the thing is if you want to work with students in a more low-income area, if you want to work with the students who you feel, not to say that I ever want to feel like I'm doing like a savior complex thing, but I do want to work with students who like need the help more, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like I want to work with kids who could use music in their life as not just something for like a college application, but could use it as something to help them g- with the tough things they go through. Yeah. And that's the way I've always viewed that. Like I want to at least give the kids something that they can do or have a safe space, right? Yeah. In the classroom or a brave space as I've talked about and like we've talked about in our classes. I like that, a brave um, space. Because sometimes you talk about uncomfortable things, but mm-hmm. like in a comfortable way. So it's a brave space, you know, you're yeah. you know, opening it up to be brave. Oh, I dig it. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. We've talked about this in classes, it's super awesome. Um, but the idea of doing that, um, can only happen is if you're being paid enough to work in those areas because you're going to be paid less at a school 
in like a Title One school. Yeah. Whereas if you work somewhere nice and bougie, like Palo Alto or like um, Los Altos, or just somewhere in an area that's very social, like social economically like wealthy, not to say the kids don't deserve a good music program. They of course deserve a good music program. Every every school deserves a good art and music program, and I will fight anyone on this. You need the arts. Who else is gonna make your stupid Spotify playlists or like your TV shows or your Marvel movie soundtracks? Anyway, um, rant, small rant aside, like you need the arts, bitch. <laughs> um, like without that, like who? But the kids in those areas already have so much support and resources, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can, it's kind of like the pick. You can pick either working somewhere higher income, but with students who are better off in that regard, or you can pick to work and, like, use up that mental energy more and, like, kind of, you know, um, put all your resources of yourself into working at a Title One school, but, like, being burnt out maybe easier in some ways with the mm-hmm. lack of resources you have, you mm-hmm. know? Um and it's like just like like which one do you pick, you know? Yeah. And not to say that the other job isn't gonna also be hard. Like the my mentors mentioned that the thing about working at a school that's like um, higher income or whatever you want to call it, um, the thing that kind of gets there is like you get more parent involvement, which is like a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. Because you can get. We don't need to get into that, but I I get you. Yeah. You know you can have really gung-ho parents, but then you have parents who are, like, getting a little bit too into it, and you're like, you need to calm down, ma'am, or you need to calm down, sir, like, let me do my job, you know? So it's, like, you know, two ends of the spectrum, and it's really tricky. So I know for myself to not burn out, I'm just gonna say no to as many things that I don't want to (laughs) do is my goal, Um, but just kind of focusing on doing the best I can and what I'm given. But I also understand, like, why, like, I'll be careful as much as I can. I understand why I have peers or why I've had peers or, like, mm-hmm. why we know so many people who've mm-hmm. gone into teaching mm-hmm. and then had to be like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Not because you don't want to, mm-hmm. but because you're just financially not able to, like, be able to keep it up men- mentally, emotionally, and physically. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, um, we got to go on to the next segment. Yes, yes. <laughs> but... Thank you. No, it's it's so important to talk about like these teaching things because like yeah like I hate to say it but I am a I am a victim of not being able to afford it. I am also a victim of burnout. Mm-hmm. I'm also a victim of. I am basically on my own. Like I do not have a solid backbone to help me out with mm-hmm. school. So, it's one of those things when I learned during my undergrad that you have to do two more years of school. I'm like, what do you mean it's not just the bachelor's? Like, cause yeah. I, I, cause when I, my college experience was I was building the plane while I was flying. Like mm-hmm. I didn't understand the plane. I didn't understand. I had like a manual that I'm like, uh, just tell me the key important parts. Um, and it's because I was a first generation college student. So like being a first generation college student, you're going through it you're learning it <laughs> you're learning as you go <laughs> because i didn't have any family who has been through that process and mm-hmm. i was the leading mark of that process so when i learned like after the five years i was at san jose state that there was two more years worth of school after that and i had to pull out more loans and i had to apply for it and i had to do some dumb big portfolio to prove that it was good enough and that there was an induction period i was like uh-uh. <laughs> like, and that was just the seasoning for me. Like, I wasn't saying it to discourage any of my friends who were able and capable of doing it, but it was more so, like, what what are my other options? And then they oh, talked yeah. about emergency credentials and all this jazz. And I'm like, 
okay, well, how do I get that? And no one gave me the, the, the guidance. And so I said, okay, no one wants to give me the guidance. I need to move on to other stuff. It's funny because at one point there was a job position open somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think someone in the department was like, oh, you, someone could get a Veronica to help out with, like, Veronica graduated with this. Maybe she could get an emergency, emergency credential and do this. And I was like, that just sounds so stressful. <laughs> but, like, you know. It got yeah, I think it's like it sounds stressful to talk to Veronica. I've heard this before no. where folks were like, talk to Veronica. And I'm like, I'm like, inbox, empty. Inbox empty. And so, you know, and I and I do appreciate those who have those thoughts, like, hey, hit up Veronica. Because like there's been times where people have just thrown me in the classroom and be like, hey, I need a substitute teacher. I need a substitute teacher for jazz band. I need a substitute teacher for regular band. And I would sit there and I'd magically do it and make all the jokes I needed to. And don't get me wrong, these were like popcorn schools, right? Yeah. But I was still able to just jump right in, bond with the kids real quick, do the thing, and then leave. Like, yeah. And that was one of the things where like seeing how kids light up based off of like how you interact with them keeps me there. But if I don't have the support group to help me actually get the job... And I'm sitting here trying to ask all the questions the best way that I can. And also, unfortunately, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world with that music department. Um, (laughs) Not to shit on San Jose State, but it has been where it's like, if I ask a vulnerable question, I got shit on for it. So it's like, I don't have the time to be seen, like, with a clown nose. I already have the big hair. (laughs) So I'm going to try to find something that's going to actually get me stable and I'm going to work on some other skills. Like, so that's where I kind of went with that. That's really cool. I mean, and that makes sense too, you know? Like, I took, I mean, I don't, people, like, that haven't, like, talked too much about it and, like, whatever, and I haven't talked too much about it, but I took a solid two-year break before I jumped back into credential. Yeah. Because I got burnt out from undergrad, and I yeah. I did undergrad in four years. Now, do I recommend doing undergrad in four years? Hell nah, not with a music degree. <laughs> oh, my God, I took 23 units my final semester at San Jose State. Oh, no! <laughs> you said 23? You didn't get any sleep! <laughs> I think I, I had a recital with 23 units at San Jose State. Oh, was, baby, uh, no. <laughs> it, was, it was a big mistake to try to force it like that. And I, I got so burnt out. And, like... Honestly, when COVID started, I was, like, of course mortified because it was COVID and a pandemic, but oh, part absolutely. of me, a small part in the back of my, like, heart was kind of relieved because it was, like, a break. Oh, yeah. You know what COVID's I mean? COVID's only silver lining <laughs> is that we all got a break from people. Yeah. For, like, for like a hot minute. I mean, but, after, like, the, the amount of time it's been going on, it's like, okay, yeah. we need to move on. But, like, that that small break was like it kind of helped me reevaluate a little bit of like what I want to do with my life and how I want to do this because yeah. before COVID I was teaching without a credential just to get some money yeah and you have to teach like six or seven different jobs and you go place to place and like yeah. you know you're, you're school hopping after school ban morning before school ban you're doing all this stuff and it's exhausting and mm-hmm. it's like draining and you love the kids but man working like in the kid like working that way um it's just not very healthy and it's like mm-hmm. i'd wake up at 6 a.m and i'd be home by 6 p.m and then yeah. it's like you have four hours before your body gives out to make dinner or like make relax dinner, or take care of your body do a lesson plan yeah. whatever yeah and it's like i would lay in bed for like two hours doing nothing because i'm exhausted try to make dinner maybe some skip dinner and just go to bed and then repeat and it's like okay like this is not working you know mm-hmm. So now my mindset with credential, I was ready to just buckle down for school and be like, I'm not doing anything else but school right now. Yeah. And I managed to do it 
Um, I managed to get through it, and um, I've been telling some of my peers too, like, take some time off between undergrad and credential. If you want to get your credential, like, what's stopping you? There are people in the program in their 30s, 40s, 50s getting their teaching credential. Yeah. Um, maybe now is not sustainable for some people, but if you want to teach and go back to it when you're ready, like, it's there. Yeah, it's definitely the ready part. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the ready part. And if you're not ready, then screw it. Don't do it, like, yet. Or don't do whatever. Just do something else. Like, who cares? It's your life. No one should tell you what to do, right? Yeah, yeah. I so. think, I think I... This is my last thing before we actually do need to move on. <laughs> I think it's um one of those things that I think for everyone, I think it should be a thing in everyone's bucket list wherever they are in life to actually sit there and teach a class. <laughs> I mean, I would pay money to see some people I know teach a classroom. <laughs> right, right. I think it's mandatory because it really humanizes like who you are, what your communication is like. It's so important. Um, so nerdy and dirty. Nerd, <laughs> yeah. Nerdy and dirty. So nerdy and dirty is our segment about sexual wellness and uh, you know just kind of staying aware and and creating dialogue around ideal I, ideas and situations that are away from the traditional cis cis heterosexual idealisms or whatever, however you want to call it. But the fun <laughs> name is nerdy and dirty. So cute. It is Pride. Uh, happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride. You know, I, I don't have bisexual lighting in here, so my bad. Um, oh, how could you? How dare you? <laughs> I actually might be able to change the lights if you give me like a second. Um, but I, there's actually something that's been interesting. So like, you know, the, the whole narrative with, with be, being in the LGBTQ plus group is that you're gay, you're lesbian, you're bi, you're transgender, you know, but no one really talks about, um, like, what if you just don't have a sexuality, like, or, or, like, you're just not interested in having sex, but companionship is probably the thing that you like, so I would like some insight, so you say asexuality, yes, even though the nickname is ace, yes, so I'm just going to let you take the floor about it, and I'll ask the questions as we go. Sure. So a few things. Like, it's really funny, too. Technically, it's really funny because all my friends, like my social groups, mm-hmm. mostly by now should know that I'm ace. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily always talk about it if it doesn't come up. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I will make jokes about it and bring it up. <laughs> um, but, you know, I am asexual. Um, that's why I identify as. Um, funnily enough, my family doesn't know yet. I'll tell them at some point. I just don't want to deal with it yet. Yeah, yeah. But you know, they're they're, they're perfectly lovely people. They'll just they'll just be all weird about it because they they want kids, and I'm like, sorry. Um, you need to produce the next ad. <laughs> like, where are the babies at? You know, and it's like, oops. Um, no, but the funny thing is, um, so asexuality. I identify as ace, and then for my romantic orientation, I identify as biromantic. Mm-hmm. So that's what that puts me in the um, LGBTQIA uh, plus spectrum, if we want to go for the full like acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, asexuality is basically, uh, just simply put, where you don't um, find people sexually, you don't have a desire um, or sexual attraction towards someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an important distinction to make because you're mentioning how like like not having sex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. There are aces that like sex, and there are aces that even want sex. Um, and it's such a what's really cool about asexuality is there's such a wide spectrum of it. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll just start a little bit with like the background of how I figured out I was ace. 
Um, and I think one of the biggest things that kind of ticked me off to it is, mm-hmm. as a kid, you know, and this happens for a lot of people anyway, just because our society forces this hetero, like, normative, like, cis thing onto all of us, right? Yeah. Where, like, as a kid, if I had a crush on someone, um, or I, I didn't have crushes on people, really, or didn't even have celebrity crushes, but since everyone around me had crushes, when I got asked by a friend in elementary school, who's your crush, I picked, like, the smartest boy in class. <laughs> I was like, I'll just pick, I'll just pick a yeah. smart kid. I'll pick a smart, cool dude in class. And like, he was a nice dude. I didn't actually have a crush on him though. Um, but I kind of just said it and kind of like forced it to like you know fit in with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had never viewed anyone that way. And even as I got older and got into middle school and high school, I did get romantic crushes on people, mm-hmm. but I never felt sexual attraction. And yeah. I think it's the funniest thing in that like if I. Like, I can appreciate when someone's, like, aesthetically attractive. Like, I can I can tell when people look nice and look attractive and whatever. Like, oh, that person's hot. Like, okay, yeah, I can see it. But, like, I would never be the one to say, oh, that person's hot. Or, like, did you see that person's ass? Or, like, hey, wow. <laughs> like, like, I would never be that person because I wouldn't even notice. Like, a good example is I was at a baseball game the other day with a friend, and she was like, man, gosh, I love seeing, <laughs> I love seeing the butts of baseball players. And I was like, huh? And she's like, what do you mean, huh? I'm like, are they special? She's like, have you not seen how, like, perfectly shaped they are? I'm like, what do you mean? And so... Bisexual lighting! <laughs> Woo! I did it! Alright. If, if you go for a dark purple one, you can get, like, some ace lighting up in here. Okay. Like that one? Like a lavender? Can you do the third one, too? Oh, I don't have a third light. Oh! <laughs> That's okay. Keep, We're working keep, on it. Keep, We're working keep on it. it the bisexual yeah. lighting one. Um, but, like... Um, it's just one of those things where, like, I didn't notice, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't notice these things unless it gets pointed out. So it's kind of funny, like, you know, people, like, I don't get thirsty for people either. Like, I don't go, oh my god, I like, oh, I'm in love with this person. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, it's like those noises I made. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't feel that way. Um, but it's interesting in that, like, that's the experience that I had. So pretty easily in high school, I realized I was ace. I was like, I don't feel sexual attraction. Um, but it's a big spectrum. And I found mm-hmm. this site. I was Googling it in high school. Like, I was looking up stuff. And one day I just came across it. I think somewhere on Tumblr. Because yeah, that's what you did back in the that's day. That's what you did. You found yeah. stuff about <laughs> sexuality on Tumblr. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I stumbled upon a site called Avon which is um, basically where uh, you have this huge forum and community of asexuals um, who talk about the entire spectrum and there's questions and stuff. And so I actually thought I was demisexual um, Mm -hmm. for a while where that means you romantically um, have to be very attracted to someone and like you have to feel close enough to them to then feel sexually attracted to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I realized even with people I really was close to or had crushes on or whatever, I still didn't really feel that sexual attraction. So that's when I realized, oh, I think I'm actually just completely ace. I'm not gray ace or not, mm. I'm not demi. But at the same time, um, there are lots of asexuals, um, and I also am not opposed to it either, of like, I'm not sex repulsed per se. Um, there are lots of aces who aren't sex repulsed. In fact, there, you know, aces can still masturbate. Aces can still, like, um, have sexual relationships with their partners. Aces can still um, want to do, like, want to have sex or have like a libido or like get aroused and stuff the biggest thing to point out is that you're ace if you just don't have that sexual attraction 
Mm. But your body still functions like a, a regular human body. You're not sitting there like, chastity belt is on forever. <laughs> not allowed to touch my no-no zone. Like, you're not no. celibate. You're not like a nun. You're not like, you're not like I, am, I am a child of the Lord, of thy Lord. I will never, I don't, I've never been to church before. I don't know how to say this. Oh <laughs> on the Lord's day. <laughs> oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> Forgive me. Shout out to Shabzilla for saying the Lord's day. <laughs> <laughs> um, forgive me, you're cool, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, like, it's not the sort of thing that, like, means you're just, like, trying to be abstinent, like, as a prude or whatever. It's just, like, you know, it's not your thing. But there are also our aces that, like, don't want to have sex and mm-hmm. don't want to do it and, like, think it's gross and are repulsed by the idea. Um, and then there's a lot of aces that are kind of in the middle or kind of in this, again, the gray scale of it. Um, that's what it's called, like, the gray, gray scale. Um, where, like, you're kind of just somewhere on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. So, it's really cool. And then, n- a shout-out to my aromantic peeps out there, because I'm not aromantic. Uh, I am very much aromantic. What do you mean by aromantic? So, in one... Uh, so, asexuality being lack of sexual attraction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can still have romantic attractions or orientations. On the flip side, there are plenty of people out there who still experience sexual attraction, mm-hmm but who do not have, um, do not experience romantic attraction. Ah, okay, okay. So it's kind of like the inverse of asexuality. Um, I'm not the best at explaining aromanticism because I am not aromantic myself, so Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be the person to be able to speak about it as much. That's kind of funny because I remember just earlier in my undergrad that I was kind of just (laughs) anti-romantic. And I mean by this as in like, I didn't mind, like, hooking up with people, but I did, for some reason, really mind the weird, like, cadences of Valentine's Day, and the weird cadences of dating, and the weird cadences of anniversaries. Like, it just didn't sit well with me, and maybe, maybe it's not necessarily being a romantic, per se, but I think, I think I was just really against the, I didn't really follow suit with the whole... With the whole suit, aces, right? Making puns already. I I wasn't too keen on the traditional cadences of romance, mm-hmm. um, and I don't I don't think that made me a like a romantic per se. But I was just more so like if someone got flowers because it was the third month of us being together, it just felt weird to me. I'm like, yeah. why can't we just like be together or you know, or the other side of it is, like, I didn't see you like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. I mean, the biggest thing for, uh, like, if, if you want to shorten aromantic, you can just say arrow, too. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so there are also people who are aromantic on, the, on that spectrum of um, aromanticism. Um, I have a really good friend, and we've talked about it, um, and I'm not going to, of course, go into their history or whatever, because that's not, that's rude, that's not cool. <laughs> um, but, like, for example, like, not really understanding the importance of a romantic relationship mm-hmm. and like not really feeling the need for that romantic relationship like I mm-hmm. I would swoon if someone gave me flowers mm-hmm. um, but there are people who also are like uh, like why can't we have this like it's kind of like why can't you just have like a very strong platonic relationship mm-hmm. while also having a sexual relationship you know mm-hmm. um, for some arrows that might yeah. be the case you know mm-hmm. um, but there's also plenty of people in the um, in the ace community who are arrow aces mm-hmm. who don't experience sexual attraction or romantic attraction. Mm-hmm. 
So it's a really this big... This all feels very wind energy to me when you say arrow. Sorry. <laughs> wind, wind energy. Um, kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, when it comes to being ace or arrow, there's like a lot of... There's just a lot of um, people in that spectrum as well who identify as both. Yeah. Um, you may have seen, and if you ever see the ace flag, ace flag it's purple, um, white, gray, black. Mm -hmm. The arrow flag is very similar in pattern, but it's green. I think it goes green, light green, white, gray, black, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Um, uh, that's the, the flag for arrow, um, aromantic in the community. So if you see that flag and you're like, oh, it's really some of the ace flag, but it's not. It's close to the aromantic flag. Mm -hmm. um, and there's like even discourse, or like not discourse, but there's even talk of like what an angled arrow ace is, which means you're kind of like somewhere on the spectrum. Again, the ace community has lots of terminology. This is one thing I'm actually not very good at, is just all the different terminology within the community. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of stuff, and actually, just some stuff that you might not know about asexuality, like um, uh, one way to identify as asexual is, and this I found out um, recently, is if you wear a black ring, on your, I think it's your, a black ring on the middle finger, mm -hmm. yeah, on the right hand is a sign of asexuality. Oh, okay. So I know some people who are ace who like to, who have gotten like a black ring and put it on the middle finger. Um, and it's funny because I think being, a, when you're a swinger, I think that's also a thing to wear like a, a ring or a black ring on your fingers, on your hands. And I believe the swinger community has been like, the middle finger's reserved for aces, which is really cool of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> which I think is really, really right. sweet. I'm like, that's really sweet. Um, and another thing, um, it's funny because I was talking about suits earlier, right? Um, there's actually, if you actually look this up, sorry, let me pull this up real quick because yeah. I don't want to get it wrong. Um, there's actually a core in the community. It's really cute and really cool. Um, different like ace uh playing cards kind of like line up oh with, my gosh. Um, which part Stop. of the spectrum you're on oh it's gosh. great so oh my gosh. <laughs> so um let me pull this up real quick so like for example like i would <laughs> I, I wouldn't say this but i always think it's really cute like the ace of hearts means you're like ace but like romantic still the mm -hmm. ace of spades means you're arrow ace um ace of diamonds i think is for demis and then ace of clubs is i forget what ace of clubs is um, I think it's your gray, grayscale. Oh, okay. Or questioning aces sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget what the clubs is. But it's really cool, like, you know, there's a, there's a wide, my point is, there's a wide spectrum of people in the ace community. Mm -hmm. And it's, sometimes it takes some digging to figure out, like, if you think you're ace or arrow, like, where you line up in that area. Yeah, it's a lot of self-development, like, you just gotta, like, yeah, gotta talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, just be like, okay, so I like talk to myself here. all the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Gotta figure out what's going on. Like, I I think what's kind of cool is um, that there, that the spectrum, the idea of, like, putting things on a spectrum, like, really helps people kind of navigate their identity. And that their identity can also kind of flow or, like, tilt based off of where they are in life, too. So, like, it's not necessarily, like, you're strictly ace. It's just more so, like, this is where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. Like, just respect my boundaries, um, but also respect that this is how I identify. Yeah. And I think that's great, because like I said, when I was talking about my undergrad, I'm like, I don't know. I didn't like the romanticated stuff because I thought it was just, like, traditionally focused. And I thought there was a different way to establish more meaningful relationships mm -hmm. 
away from traditional dating. So that's where I was coming from. So like basically I just, I for sexuality, I do identify as bi, even though I, my, I do lean over towards dating men. But, um, but as for like, you know, trying to figure out what my, like how like sexual I am versus how not sexual I am. Sorry, I'm laughing. I'm just like, because I'm like, you said dating men, but for some reason I thought you were going to say I lean into dating gamers and I was like, gamer sexual? Oh my God, but it's true. It's true. It's true though. <laughs> Uh, do I give a big wink? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Woo, I'm already taken, y'all. <laughs> but, but yeah, like I just—it's just like kind of like one of those things that I'm like, you know, you Very try to figure out. <laughs> you try to figure out. What you are. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know what was gonna happen inviting me here? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so we are actually getting to some closing aspects of today's podcast. Um, so just. I'm going to do a quick call to action and then we can actually talk a little bit about like, you know, playing on video games and switch and what you recommend. Yes. Before we move on, can I just add one more thing about the sexuality yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I do want to point this out too, since you mentioned it. Yeah. Like I'm also one of those people that believes that like things exist in like a fluid way. Mm-hmm. It's not like, cause I actually saw this really cool article that one of our mutual friends shared um, the other day about um, fluidity and like that, the born this way movement, right? Like yeah. you're born this way. And, like, I totally get where, like, there are people who obviously know their orientation or, like, know, have an idea of what it's like for them at a mm-hmm. young age. But I also think, like, if, and I've always thought this too, the more you hang out with people that are outside of the traditional, like, gender, like, or hetero patriarchal um, norms, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is norms. Um, I think the more you actually can just have that freedom to experiment and learn more about yourself and find that maybe you are not as straight as you thought you were. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really great. Like, I think being able to explore that is a really good thing. And mm-hmm. I think you shouldn't be afraid to, like, test that out. Because I think more, if, if people were given the option to believe that they didn't have to be one or the other, mm-hmm. that they would realize that they can be a little bit more wavy than straight. You get what I mean? Like, you can, you don't have to pick, like, oh, I'm straight because I don't strongly identify with my gender. But, like, I've talked to friends before who are like, you know, I've been thinking about pronouns, but, like, I don't really know if I, like, have these, like, I don't know if I could even say that this is a thing. And I'm like, well, the fact that you're thinking about it shows that it's something in you, yeah, you know, yeah. it shows up there is a thing, and it's like, but I don't want to, like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to fake or be part of a community and, like, make it seem like I'm, like, taking away voices or just faking it, you know, and, like, that's the thing where it's like, well, I don't think you should worry about that because I think that's gatekeepy and that's not what the community's about. Yeah. It's not about gatekeeping, it's about inviting people who feel any kind of way, like, the social pressure of, like, not under, not knowing if they're... Um, they have a certain gender identity or sexuality mm-hmm. and being able to explore that and then decide or realize like, yeah. oh, you know, maybe right now I feel like I am not ready to say that like I have a different gender identity or different sexual orientation, but I know that I have a space here to sort of learn more about that, you know? Yeah. So that's a big thing that I think is important, but I think it is on a spectrum. I think it is very fluid. Like, maybe one day I'll, maybe one, uh, actually, for myself, I don't think I'm going to change being ace. But, you know, there are plenty of people who, I, I don't think anyone should feel guilty if you identify to something for years and then all of a sudden realize that maybe that's not your identity anymore. Yeah. That's fine. Like, 
You have your Who time. Who were you 10 years ago? Tell me. Tell me now. What what type of person were you 10 years ago? <laughs> Actually, I knew I was this when I was 14. But by romantic, I didn't know I was... I swear, I'm so stupid. Like, I, I literally, like, okay, I'll add this real quick, too. I'm really stupid in that, like, I... <laughs> I found out I was by last year, by romantic. Mm-hmm. And, like, I told some friends, and one of them was like, didn't you figure that out senior year of high school with your crush on so-and-so? And I was like, I thought it was an exception. <laughs> so I didn't think I was bi. I was like, oh, I'm straight. It was just like a one crush thing. Like, oh, you know? oh, like a wo- like woman crush Wednesday Yeah, like woman like crush that. Wednesday. Yeah. And then you have five or six woman crush weeks and then Wednesdays and then for a few years and then you're like, Maybe you need to think about this a little more. And that's okay. It took me a while to realize it. Oh, absolutely. It takes people a while to realize it. So mm-hmm. I just want to say, like, you know, whether or not you're ace or arrow or pan or just or bi or maybe you just identify as queer because queer is super, a cool, super cool world that can, like, include, you can be under that umbrella. Um, whatever you identify as, like, don't be afraid to experiment a bit or figure it out or, like, take the time that you need before you're able to say it to other people. Because it's scary. Yeah. If you don't know. Oh, it's absolutely scary. All right. So, quick call to action, and then we'll talk about some recommendations on the Switch. Um, action. So, call to actions. I actually, because it's close to home right now, we talked about uh, protests and um, civil rights. So, unfortunately, um, a black life has been taken uh, the past couple, oh, during Memorial Day weekend. Jeez. Barely um, a week ago. Yeah. Um, that was taken by, unfortunately, by the San Jose Police Department. Um, and so there have been protests going on to magnify the voice of that, that change needs to come um, with with the intentional targeting of black lives. Um, for more information, definitely check out um, Demetri Stanley's story. Uh, at this point, you guys can definitely find it on social media, but I wanna say, please donate to these following organizations who've been really, really like making this visible um, and help, helping this family essentially. So Hero Tent San Jose, you can find them on Instagram. You can also find Black Outreach San, at San Jose as well. So please look into these uh, programs as you, as so that way we can keep, you know, our voices heard with the Black systemic oppression that happens on a daily basis. Because, you know, as a national wide protest that happened last year. The whole point was like, hey, we are tired of being gunned down. There needs to be some reform and some defunding from the police departments. And now that, you know, there has been some justice, there has been some justice for George Floyd, it still doesn't seem like it's made much of a difference. So please look into those organizations, keep your eyes open, and continue to do your best to be as supportive as you can during these times because it's not, it's not fun to hear about this. It's very heartbreaking. So... Moving along, um, some switch it up, switching it up, switching it up, switching it up. So <laughs> Natasha and I have a mutual love for playing video games and watching anime, um, and <laughs> I just wanted to get her recommendations on the Nintendo Switch. So, alrighty. So when it comes to video gaming, I consider myself a uh, connoisseur of Nintendo games. I'm just kidding. Um, I do love Nintendo though. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy a wide variety of games on the Switch. Um, I've never been much of a first-person shooter kind of player, but I do enjoy games like RPGs. Mm-hmm. I enjoy a lot of fantasy. I enjoy a lot of um, also 
world building kind of games or like very relaxing kind of like simulation games. Mm -hmm. So one thing I definitely would recommend is, um, or that I've been playing a lot or had been playing before, like credential craziness. Um, I know lately Pokemon Snap came out. Oh yeah. Um, that new Pokemon Snap for the Switch. I never actually got to play Pokemon Snap as a child because like I didn't have an N64 and I, as a child, remember so Wait, desperately. Was Snap really on the 64? Yeah. I so desperately, as a kid, wanted to play Pokemon Snap, and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so playing Pokemon Snap on the Switch has been so freaking cute. It is adorable. Um, Nintendo hit me up if you want me to make Pokemon puns for you in your video <laughs> game. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> You're be the best ones. <laughs> actually, I always think I'd be really good at being hired for Animal Crossing. They have all the puns and you catch fish and bugs. Like I, I could totally work for the Animal Crossing pun team. <laughs> Um, whoever works on those, like, I could do it. Um, Get but... her on the team. Get her on the team. <laughs> but Pokemon Snap's been really fun and cute and really relaxing in stressful times, too. Um, it's a little repetitive, so it can get boring kind of quick in some ways, but I always think it's nice to just pick it up and play for a bit and just take pictures of Pokemon. Mm -hmm. I think it's really pretty and cute. Um, I know some people think the style could be a little bit more refined or better, but people in the Pokemon community always have, like, really big debates about this stuff all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. But I like Pokemon Snap. Breath of the Wild, You, I don't need to recommend to you because I know how much you've played it. <sighs> but Breath of the Week is still a great Stop! game. Stop! <laughs> Breath of the what? <laughs> Breath of the Week. Oh, I heard Breath, Breath of the Queef. And oh, no. How dare you? No. Breath of the Week, bitch. <laughs> Weef. I said Weef. <laughs> okay. Um, I call it queef now. No! Next time I see you in a rehearsal, because we both play in the same band, I'm just going to say, hey, what's up, Breathe of the Queef? <laughs> Breathe of the Queef 2 is coming out, who knows when. Oh, um, no. But I do think that's always a solid choice. Uh, I've been really interested in playing, oh, I know this is coming out next year or sometime, um, or maybe it's coming out just on Steam, but it probably will be ported the Switch. There's like a, a game called like Frog Song or something, which is like a little RPG frog game. I'm like, I'm into that for sure on the Switch if that ever comes out. Um, God, I have so many games on my Switch. Uh, I should have been more prepared for this segment. Um, I also really enjoy playing Stardew Valley. Um, I heard Stardew Valley was really good. Oh, it's so good. And it's the uh, Concerned Ape always like updates it. And it's always really cool. The newer updates have been really fun to play too on the like Summer Island. And um, I really enjoy Stardew Valley as like, again, their de-stress game. Mm -hmm. um, I like the little romance options, I like the farming and the mining, and I like just, I think it's a really good way to kind of, what's funny to me too at Stardew Valley is, and this is a small spoiler I guess, if you really care about this one little thing, little spoiler, so small spoiler warning for Stardew Valley. Mm -hmm. Like the basically the premise is at the beginning of the game, like, it's basically a person who's working in a corporation being like, I'm burnt out, and moves to your like, grandparents farm. So like, that's the premise. And I'm like, wow, that really resonates with, like, every single millennial out there, right? <laughs> um, so I think that's really cute. Um, I know things I'm excited for on the Switch are just the idea of the newer Pokemon games. I'm okay. always a Pokemon gamer. I'm always really into that. Yeah. Um, I know some murder mystery Famicom stuff came onto the Switch um, from what I remember from the last Direct, and I'm kind of interested in kind of doing some of those. Yeah, I would. I actually wanted to check out one of those too. I heard about them, so I'm like, mm, I like murder mysteries. Let's go. Yeah. Let's play Clue. <laughs> a while back, and I should have bought it when it was on sale, but I'm still gonna keep it on my. I think I'll keep it on my Switch wish list. Um, the Ace Attorney trilogy. I've okay. never been into Ace Attorney, and I've never played like it. Like Phoenix, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I've never played those games, and I I would love to play it because they're just so funny and silly. But like, I mean, they're about murders, so not that silly, you know. But I would I would love that kind of game because I used to play a lot of Professor Layton on the DS, mm-hmm. and I love the Professor Layton series. I was so sad that it's gone. I'm like, I want it back. Um, I want Layton and Smash. It'd be so fun to see a top hat gentleman like fencing like I don't know in like the Animal Crossing villager. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But those are some game recs I have. A few other games I think I'm thinking about some trying to think of some indie games I play because I've been playing some indie games. Um, uh, oh, I definitely want to get into uh, Hollow Knight. I haven't played that yet, um, and I definitely know that like there's this other one called like Ori or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to eventually catch up on Celeste. I've like been I've been really behind on my game backlog <laughs> because of school yeah and it's like i just gotta play more i know one of our friends got me into terraria lately on steam um and persona like has been my latest obsession for the past year oh like yeah yeah persona i played persona 5 on a friend's ps3 and now i'm just like silently wishing like i know persona fan fan people are kind of annoying on the internet sometimes but like i want persona to be ported to switch i just want a persona port to switch for royale it might never happen. Who knows? Yeah. Right. But uh, I played. I'm excited to finally finish Persona 4 Golden on my PC. Um, once I'm done moving out with stuff and you know, all that. So yeah, my sister loves Persona. Like so she, good. she like every time I go to her house, like she's that's on her screen. I'm like, oh, didn't realize you were that involved, Trisha. And she goes, what you mean? Like she's always like, she always <laughs> looks at me like I have some new like insult for her, which is, I mean, that's how siblings are, right? <laughs> Sure. Oh shoot! I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sure. sorry. Um. um anyway, that's oh, our episode of Lady but, Blurts. But 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 Lady but, Blurts. But wait, wait, okay, wait! Okay. You need to know this, V. As a Persona fangirl, I'm just gonna say, play Persona Five, just like the vanilla game, which means <laughs> vanilla. Like because it has Persona Five and there's the Royal Edition. You can just play Persona 5 and put in the 100-something hours it takes to finish it. Just do it. Um, so spend 100 hours on it. Okay. And then on the Switch, get Persona 5 Scramble. Because that game is so fun. It's so, like, oh, my God, I have so many feelings about it. Okay, okay. It got me through Credential. Like, um, it's basically, like, the Warrior series. Like, you know how they do the things with Zelda sometimes? Like, mm-hmm. the Zelda Warrior series? Same sort of idea where you, like, do the kind of, like, hack and slash, like, button mashy stuff, mm-hmm. but with the Persona characters, like, like six months after the events of the game, and, like, it's great, and, like, spoiler, I guess, Joker has, like, a little Joker's kitchen thing where you can make oh food, and it's, like, Link make. it's, like, it reminds me of, like, Link <laughs> making food in, like, Breath of the Wild, although yeah. Link hums during his stuff, Joker doesn't hum, but, like, you know what I mean. I love cooking segments in games. Oh, yeah, no, cooking segments in games have definitely grown on me. I didn't like them before, but... Now, like, after playing Breath of the Wild, I'm like, I just want to... And I have a quick question for you. How important is it for you oh. to pet the dog in a game? It's always important for me to at least approach it to see what my options are. I will say Hades. Um, as you know. Oh my god, yes! Yes! When you get to go to little... Okay, I always butcher the name, but Cerebus. Uh, yeah, Cerebus. Yeah, you go up to little Cerebus. 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 Like, Cerebus. You only get to pet one head. And okay. it makes me so Actually, sad. Wait, I, there's a reason for that. No! For Cerberus, okay? So Cerberus, okay, Cerberus is such a good boy. Um, the reason you can only pet one head on Cerberus is I watched a video about it, and the guy, the people on the team said the reason for that is because 
it's a 2D like art style, right? Yeah. And so for them to be able to animate you petting him, you're not even actually petting him. It's like it's overlaid so that it looks like you're petting Cerberus. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. like for them to try to make you pet like a, there's no 3D modeling that they can do for that. Okay. Um, they could have I guess spent more time on that, but then they would have been taking away from like the actual point of the game. <laughs> So they at least let you pet one head. I just wanted but, to at least do, like, a double hand thing. Like, I yes, know. good boy, let me touch the ears. You know, yeah. like, I just... <laughs> but anyway, Hades is also on the Switch now. So, yeah, Hades. Ooh. Yeah, it, it definitely, like, whenever there's a game and there's a dog, I have to go approach the dog. I like, have to pet the dog. Yeah. Well, if the game gives you gives you this as an option, like, you know, in Ocarina... I think it was Ocarina of Time where there was a mission where you had to escort a dog to its owner... And, like, you can pick up the dog over your head and run around with it. Yeah. But you're not necessarily petting it. Okay, but you can, you can like, hold the dog. Here's my issue with games. And this is very important. You do, it's okay? like, okay, tell me a game where you can pet the dog, hold the dog, and make the dog bark. All three. I need to think about that because I'm not 100% sure which games do she, that. This but, is going to drive her insane for the next few but, hours. She's going to go home and she's like, I found it. Actually, no, no, no. You just have to go. There's a Twitter. Can you pet the dog? It's like, does the dog die, but can you pet the dog? Stop. There is a Twitter. Serious? There's a guy who's very successful at the Twitter because people want to know this. This is important in your game. When you make a game, okay, I'm just going to tell you, everyone at home, if you ever make a game, make it so that you can pet the dog. Because if you can't pet the dog, then you're going to have fans screaming at the console that you can't pet the dog. In Breath of the Wild, when I give the doggo the meat and he follows me and he's cute, why can't I pet him? Mm-hmm. Link is a nice man. And this dog ate his meat. Like, let me pet the dog. Link got the meats. He got the meats. Anyway. How can people find you, Natasha? <laughs> you can find me um, on Facebook, I guess. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I think my name is just, it's either Natty Nat or Nat. I think um, it's like Nat Singer. It's like Nat Singer um, on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me on Nat Singer on Twitter. Um, you can find me, my, my full name, on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. Uh, sorry. Um, I've actually been wanting to, and this is not just, a, this is not like official yet, but I do have a Twitch account under the name The Young Nat, um, and that is my username for a lot of the game stuff I do. And I would like to start streaming sometime in the summer or later end of summer, if mm-hmm. I can, um, once I have a new place. Okay. Because I've always wanted to stream and do game stuff and some music stuff on my stream. So, um, look out for me, world. Like, the young Nat's coming for you on Twitch soon. And um, that's also my Discord username. So, um, that's where you can usually find me these days, honestly, on Discord. It's true. I'll log on to Discord on a voice channel and she'll pop right in there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining today's episode. This is Lady Blurred Sings the Blues. I got a single host today, which is sometimes V. Don't worry. Kylie Too Smart will be back. So, uh, this was a nice segment. So, thank you so, 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 so much for being here. And thank you for having me here. And I hope everything with Kylie goes well with her, like all the stuff she's doing. And I hope you have a good rest of your day, too. And thank you for having me here. I said that already. I'm going to say it again. Thank you for having me here. (laughs)